everybody. Welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. So we're back. We're back in the book of Matthew. So excited to be back. And today we're going to be talking about this moment in the story of Jesus called the triumphal entry, which uh, typically is celebrated on Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. But we are in the narrative. We're uh, in Matthew. We're a couple of weeks before Easter. So we're all leading up to Easter. But it's interesting because the triumphal entry of Jesus is actually, if you read the narrative, anything but. It's not really that triumphal. Jesus is on a simple animal, a, a donkey. He's among the common people. It's not It's not the kind of parade you'd expect, you know? And in many ways, many commentators say that this highlights a central core aspect of Jesus's character, one of his primary virtues, and that's the virtue of humility. Jesus does not come as some sort of giant cosmic overlord, some military hero with with a giant parade of chariots and fanfare. He comes, and it's interesting, he doesn't come on a war horse, he comes on a, a simple donkey, a simple beast of burden. And later on, of course, Jesus would do uh, a monumental work of lifting as he lifted both the, 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 the weight of sin and death off humanity and it put it squarely on himself. And it's this core virtue of humility that we want to talk about today. You know, a while ago I was watching, I saw a clip from Stephen Colbert's show featuring Jeff Goldblum, and they were talking about just the state of the world and how hard it is and how dis- discouraging uh, life can be sometimes. And, uh, Stephen Colbert asked Jeff Goldblum how he stays inspired Uh, despite the fact that the world sometimes seems like it's coming off its hinges and there's lots to be uninspired by or depressed by. And Jeff Goldblum responded astonishingly with a quote that he had memorized from George Bernard Shaw. And this is how Goldblum responded. How does Jeff Goldblum stay inspired? Well, in many ways, I like to play music, of course. And, uh, 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 but I do find myself coming back to this quote by George Bernard Shaw. Let me see if I can remember it. He says, this is the true joy in life, the being used for a purpose considered by yourself as mighty, the being a force of nature instead of a feverish, selfish little clod of ailments and grievances complaining that the world will not devote itself to making you happy. I am of the opinion that my life belongs to the whole community. And while I live, it is my privilege to do for it whatever I can. I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. For the harder I work, the more I live. I rejoice in life for its own sake. Life is no brief candle to me. It's a sort of splendid torch that I've got hold of for the moment, and I want to make it burn as brightly as possible before handing it on to future generations. Now, I don't know Jeff Goldblum personally. I don't know Stephen Colbert personally. They're not like in my Rolodex. Their contact information is not saved in my iPhone. But here's what I do know. What that quote is talking about is humility. It's about living for others. It's about having a certain sense of yourself, uh, about who you are in the world, um, not believing that the world exists uh, narcissistically just to make you happy, and then living your life for others. And of course, it's Jeff Goldblum talking about humility. He, who has one of the most famous lines in film history about humility or the opposite, hubris, from the 1993 film Jurassic Park. Yeah, yeah, but your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think they should. And of course, the virtue of humility, a lot of scholars, especially ancient scholars, would say it was actually invented by Jesus. It was brought into our Western world by the person of Jesus Christ, who was king, but then came to earth and humbled himself and not just humbled himself, but humbled himself 
unto death on a cross. And so we're here to talk about that. I've got Jay Kim in the studio. We're going to talk about humility and what the opposite is and how we can live that out and what Jesus teaches us about it in the story of the triumphal entry. So with that, let's just dive right in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Afterward. Here with JKMJ. Hi. I got to ask a question. Okay. I loved the points of this of the sermon. It was all about humility. But before we get into that, I want to ask you, there's got to be somebody that you've worked with or been near that was incredibly not humble. Oh. Like the most arrogant person that you've ever met. I'm just wondering if there's a story that you have about an arrogant person, because one of the uh, things about arrogant people is they drive us insane, um, right? They really do. Nothing really comes to mind. I feel like I've been really fortunate to be surrounded by yeah. pretty Okay, that's a diplomatic answer. No, yeah. I'm, I'm just, I'm really trying to think. Because you, you said... Maybe you a know, worked with, but I have definitely been in, in rooms with. Okay, talk about that. Leaders who uh, <laughs> just exude the opposite of humility. Yeah, a bit of narcissism. Yeah. Oh, I've so been, nar- been is narcissism is narcissism the opposite of humility? Oh gosh, man, I'm it not prob- prepared to delve into that. Right? I don't know. You'd have to ask Chuck DeGroat. Um, <laughs> At least it's on. I there. don't think so. I don't think it's the. You know, sort of direct opposite. I think it's but they're they're mutually exclusive, right? Complexities. Yeah, you cannot be narcissistic and humble. Right, it just doesn't work. Yeah, of course. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. So, um, so what was the scenario where you were in a room with somebody that was like kind of a narcissistic leader? Um. Oh, how did you know they were narcissistic? How did it? Yeah, I mean, it's all it's all the classic stuff. The classic red flags you see, you know, they're the hero of every story they tell. Everything is a humble brag. Yeah, I've been in those environments for sure. Me, 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 me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're way, they're more sophisticated than that. But you read between the lines, it's like, oh, I see what's happening here. Like, you are the hero. <laughs> wow. You know? So, yeah, I've definitely been, been in rooms with, sadly, not. N- Encouragingly, not often. Right, but, right. Uh, so what's the opposite then? How do you know when somebody exudes humility? Because you know it pretty quickly, I think. I think we can pick up on it quickly. Yeah, well, exuding humility and embodying humility at your core are two different things. Okay. I, think I, I, I wasn't using them. In, I was using them interchangeably. Yeah. If you yeah. exude something, it's because it's present in you, or is that not true? I, I don't know. I mean... You know, I don't know, man. Life is complex. Sure. I, I struggle with pride all the time, but people I know would tell me, man, you, you're a really humble guy. I've, I've heard people say that to me before. Mm-hmm. But you know and your you internal work. Yeah. You know the like, work that you've dude, had to do. Like wrestling with pride all the time. The temptation, yeah, sometimes I think that the only difference between me and those arrogant, narcissistic leaders I've been in rooms with is that I'm a more skilled, sophisticated sinner or something. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so I don't know. It's just it's pretty complex. So okay, so let's. I don't want to oversimplify I and say it. there's humble people and there's narcissistic people. That we all kind of there's struggle. just people yeah. and we struggle by God's this. grace. We yeah we're formed so. How do you know shape. when somebody um, embodies or somebody that you know? I who don't has know embodied. for sure. Well, there's how, no way I can know. Okay, so sure. how, when some know. what does it look like when somebody embodies humility? 
they're not the hero of the story. They're, they don't seem all that interested in talking about themselves or hearing themselves talk. Yeah. Um, they're curious. Mm-hmm. Curiosity is the key for me. Yeah. So I'm, al- I'm always attracted to those people who, you know, are not, you know, you, you, everyone's been in conversations where you're talking to somebody and you know that they're not really listening. They're just waiting till they can talk. Um, but curious people are the ones who are like really engaged. They're not necessarily thinking about what they're going to say next. They're just completely engrossed in the thing that's unfolding in front of them and wanting to hear more and know more, you know, those folks who say, man, that's interesting or that's really hard or that's really beautiful. Tell me more. You know, those three words I think are a Hmm. really profound, beautiful expression of humility. Um, It's the posture of a student. Tell me more. So, yeah, I mean, I I think that's, yeah, those are some traits that I've seen in people that I'm really attracted to, drawn to. Like, man, this person is at least really trying to embody the way of Jesus. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That's that's what comes to mind. I think there's also a sense, uh, I love that, because it's also a sense of really being interested in you. Uh, a truly humble person really, do, you really do feel like they care about you. Like, yeah. They're like, hey, tell me more. I'll think. Yeah. John Dixon, um, who wrote a, a book called Humilitas, he's a, a researcher and a Christian, a Christian researcher out of Australia. He wrote a book called Humilitas, which, and he tells this story that's amazing. He was uh, in a band because, you know, he, he was a 20 year old something in a band. Yeah. And they are, they're touring around somewhere in Europe. And all of a sudden they're at this pub. And the guy next to him is like, hey, you guys are in a band? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're in a band. He's like, oh, that's awesome. I'm like, what, what's the name of your band? Do you have a... He's like, yeah, we just cut a CD. He's like, let me look. At it. And then he realized, oh my gosh, that's Bono. Oh, wow. It was Bono. And yeah. then Bono's like, hey, awesome. I need a ride back to my place. You guys want to give me a ride back and yeah. we can keep talking? And he's he, like, I'm in a band too. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be... And then on the way there, they're like, hey, he's like, play me your CD. And he yeah. played and it. Then and then John he, was like, what's your band called? <laughs> Where do you guys play? You've been around a while or <laughs> do you, is there touring involved? Do you or? guys tour like we do? Cause do we're in you? a van. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We just played this pub. Where do you guys play? Where do you play? guys play? Yeah. Uh, and I just thought it was so funny that, and it, w- when he told that story immediately, I don't know what you think about Bono or his music, but I, I like the guy Bono better. Yeah, like, right, I liked him right. better. There, there's there's right. something like really attractive. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, about and then the other story I love about Bono was he was speaking at like a prayer be- breakfast. Like President Bush invited him to a prayer breakfast, and he comes up and he says, "Hey guys, sorry, I'm not really accustomed to speaking to groups of less than thirty thousand people." <laughs> That's and he hilarious. said it like as an offhand joke yeah. to like make fun of that. Yeah. that and I thought that was a really kind of That's funny interesting. thing. Okay, yeah. so I wanted to get into this humility. Um, before we get into the scriptures, I, I was thinking about this. It seems to me that one of the most staggering traits of Jesus is his humility. Mm. Um, and so I was, I was going to go through the. I went through the fruit of the spirit. Yeah. And I, I was, I was going to ask you. I'm going to go through the fruit of the spirit because it seems like I could, I could list seven out of the nine where humility is not just important but vital to that fruit. Yeah. So love requires humility because you're seeking to connect with another and seek their good. Peace requires humility, often making peace with other people, yeah. um, putting aside your personal grievances, whatever yeah. that might look like. Patience, 
things aren't about you slowly or even trusting God that he might have yeah. a better plan for you and trusting his timing because mm-hmm. our timing um, when it, it's off my timetable that can be an arrogant thing to think you know kindness toward other people requires humility um, gentleness often gentleness is toward somebody who's weaker who has less power or authority yeah and so you're kind of getting down on their level and being gentle and kind yeah um, when perhaps they deserve strong words mm-hmm. and then goodness uh, is submitting to God's definition of good which is a form of humility. The only two I couldn't come up with, and I, I'm, I'm wondering how you would think, is joy and self-control, and then if you had any other thoughts on the other fruit of the Spirit. I couldn't figure out how joy and self-control tie to humility. I'm sure they do. I just I, I just couldn't figure out a, a mental way to tie them. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think what you said is right. Um, yeah, I'm sure if we had more time and thought about it, there's however many degrees of separation there are. I think there are probably elements of humility that are required to embody joy and self-control, you know, um, in, in our lives. Uh, in some ways, like surrendering to the Spirit of God, doing the work that only He can do to cultivate fruit in our lives, the whole thing is an act of humility. Yeah. We have to, sur- you know, surrender is a is a humble act. Right. Um, yeah. So just even, you know, beyond the fruit of the Spirit, the life of following Jesus demands a sort of humility. Yeah. Um, otherwise, it becomes that, sort of grave, very common misunderstanding of what Christian faith is, which is the ticket I got to go to heaven when I die because I prayed a prayer or something. But if if Christian faith really is about discipleship to Jesus, following Jesus, then uh, the whole thing of, yeah, the whole demands humility. humility. Yeah. You know, you got to, you know, and Jesus makes it pretty clear, like if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's laying it down. I mean, you know, in, in many ways, the, the definition of humility. So, yeah. yeah. I also love, um, you quoted uh, a book called Humble by research uh, researcher and professor. I think he used to be at Hope College, but I don't know where he is now. He was a, I don't a, know a, either, yeah. Is Daryl Van Tongeren, yeah. and he was an associate professor of psychology now. He might have moved on. He, had, he wrote a book, Humble, I think it was last year or the year before. Yeah, pretty uh, recently. Pretty recently. Yeah. And in his research, he outlined three universal key attributes of what humility looks like. I love what you did. You took these attributes, which are universal, and you tied, You showed how clearly they're tied to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and again, John Dixon would say that Jesus actually invented the virtue of humility that was not a Greco-Roman virtue yes. at all. It's yeah. not a world... It's not a virtue in our world. Jesus is the one who introduced it. But. Yeah. Um, he said the, there's three phases, and I just I just thought it would be interesting to talk through these real quick and how you see them play out, both in the life of Christians and, and maybe in the life of Jesus to be emulated. Yeah. Um, accurate self-assessment is step one. you got to know yourself. Mm-hmm. So why is that so important to humility? Or what's I guess what's the opposite of that, I guess, would be um, not knowing yourself very well or being self-deceived? Yeah, that, how yeah you, self-deceived, you? I think, is a good way to put it. We talked about narcissism earlier. What strikes me about narcissistic people and especially narcissistic leaders that I've met or, you know, encountered, they're the least self-aware people I've ever met. And at the same time, I actually think they are are, um, 
destructively in tuned to their own self uh, and attuned to their own self just in a really grossly incomplete way. So narcissism or arrogance, I think, are just um, reactive expressions of deep insecurity. Yeah, yeah. So in a way, there's a real awareness because that maybe even at a subconscious level, you know, and I think in many ways that's where the narcissism comes from. And, you know, it, it, it gives a, it can give us a lot of compassion and empathy for narcissistic people. Not that we should excuse the behavior. We can't do that. We have to address it, confront it. And, and, um, you know, but there, there can be a level of empathy and compassion because narcissistic, arrogant people, even at a subconscious level, are just so deeply attuned to their own insecurities and their own brokenness, but in such an incomplete way that their mm. reaction is to cover it up through, yeah. you know, Steve Cuss, who's a, who's a dear friend and has done some work here for us at Westgate and with Bay Area Pastors. He's been one of the most helpful, and he's really just sort of like... Um, consolidating and bringing to the ground level the work of others, you know, uh, Edwin Friedman and, and others, people like that, where Cuss talks about um, being right-sized or human-sized. That's his whole premise, you know? So like, when you walk into a room, you're not too big or too little. You don't shrink back because mm -hmm. of insecurity and you don't puff up because of mm -hmm. insecurity. Yeah, exactly. Right? Just the goal is to live human-sized, right-sized and... And I think um, uh, narcissistic, arrogant people, their default is to just puff up, is to get big. But it's all, we're all just little kids and grown up bodies with our own hurts and the traumas that our bodies mm -hmm. hold because of things that have been done to us. So sometimes I feel a lot of compassion and empathy for, you know, narcissistic people because I think it's just a, a sad, uh, incomplete way of being in tune with their own brokenness, but not knowing what to do with it, you know? Yeah. So self-awareness in a complete whole healed way really matters. I think now we, you, and you, obviously you're a leader, you hang out with leaders there, but there's also the other side of that. There's the other side of, cause if you, humility is about not thinking about yourself too much, but rather thinking about God first and putting yourself in your proper place. There's also a way, I have a buddy who, whose wife, whenever she enters into a social environment, yeah. she thinks, what are people going to think of me? And there's a fear, and so she shrinks back. There's mm -hmm. an insecurity. In some ways, that's a lack of humility because she's thinking about herself too much in that mm -hmm. scenario, even if it results in massive insecurity in shrinking yeah. back. Yeah. So in in some ways the 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 antidote is the same. Think about God more and right size yourself in light of that. Yeah. So there's also a the the other side of that because it's not just a you know, narcissistic wolves, but also people who I have a buddy who every time he calls he says, "Hey, uh, sorry to bother you." Mm -hmm. So why is he saying that? It's not a bother. Yeah. And he shouldn't be sorry. I'm joy I'm I feel joy to talk to him, but yeah. he there's a sense of yeah. insecurity with that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's well said. Again, um, human size, human right size, size. I love that. Yeah. not just get too, don't get too big, but also like, don't get too small. It's a, it's a weird form of detachment from yourself, you know? And, yeah. and it can be a protective mechanism. It could be lots of things, but 
Yeah, humility, I think, is always human sized. It's right sized. How do you prevent your sorry, how do you prevent yourself from thinking too much of yourself? Like for example, there it does humility doesn't mean pretending you don't have gifts. No. Like for example, no. I, I know that you know this and i there's been times when there's vocalists on our stage who sing on Sunday mornings and I'm like, You are incredible. Thank you. Yeah, well, yeah, you, yes. you, you, you among worked others. hard at my craft. I get it. But if I were to say to you, if I were to say to one of these vocalists, hey, listen, that was awesome. And they were like, shut up, you're stupid. I, I suck. Like that would be really yeah. a weird thing for them to say to pretend like they don't have a vocal gift. Right. And I think it is hard for people who operate in incredible gifts to like, how do you, how do you deal with humility with when God's given you real gifts? Like for me dancing, for you singing, I get it. I, I, I just understand it. Like yeah. I understand what people are going for. Um, just... Just the way that I move my, my see, life. Did you see Usher at the Super Bowl I halftime did. show I on did. the roller skates? It was unbelievable. Oh my goodness. First man. of all, I would fall. You know what else is unbelievable is the is the cameraman who filmed him going in that circle. Like yeah. that's incredible. It was good. Good stuff. So if you went to Usher and you're like, dude, Usher, you're an incredible dancer. And Usher said to you, Dave, shut up, dude. I suck. I'm That'd be terrible. weird. That'd be You're weird. It's weird. Yeah. That'd be weird. So right. how do you? How do you? How do you? How does humility interact with actual giftedness? That's a great question. I mean, because I... you're not pretending that you haven't been given that gift. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the verse we read about Jesus's own self awareness is a great model. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, John 13, when he washes his disciples' feet, it's so interesting to me. Jesus was right sized. He wasn't like, first of all, clearly he did not say, dude, I'm not going to wash these guys' dirty feet. I'm Jesus. <laughs> he didn't do that. He washed their feet. Right. But what's more interesting to me, to your point, he did not think to himself like, I, I suck. Like I'm, you know, I'm going to die. I'm nobody. I deserve to die. I should wash these guys' feet. You know, like he didn't do that. John 13 says Jesus knew that the father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Wow. Which is like huge, all things under his power. So he got up from the meal, took out his outer clothing, wrapped a towel. Around so his the waist. so is so crazy. Isn't yeah. It? He's so self-aware oh, that he uses the gift for the sake of others. Right. So that is the singer. It's like, man, you, in, your voice is amazing when you lead worship it really does something it breaks me open you know it's so what's the best way to it's respond one thing to, that? to say you can get too big and say like dude i know i mean it's like me and mariah carey right like one and two you know one and one a maybe that's too big but it's also too small to be like no dave shut up i'm, I'm terrible no but what what does jesus do he, he, he's self-aware. So if you're asking the question, you know, how to, how to do anything, I, I don't want to be too prescriptive, but sure. I, I would imagine one way would be to say, man, thanks. That's super encouraging. Yeah. Like I, I do think that it is one gift God has given me and I'm grateful to, 
to have the opportunity to give the gift away in a way that's meaningful for people. And it is encourage, really encouraging to hear that, that in giving that gift you. away, yeah. God used it to do something. Yeah. That's a huge encouragement to me. That's awesome. And I'm grateful. Yeah, that's, that, that's a good way to say it. I'm grateful to give the gift away, you know? And I think another thing to say is just simply, I'll say, <laughs> you're yeah. an incredible singer. Or just to, I'll say. Or just to sing. <laughs> you're like, man, you're an incredible singer. And then you're just like, I know. <laughs> You know, just like keep it going. Yeah, That's just, another way to. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Yes, I know. I uh, am so good. <laughs> just for all the podcast listeners right now who need the gift of my vocals, <laughs> you're welcome. The second universal aspect. The second one. <laughs> the second aspect of universal um, uh, attribute of humility is the ability. I, I'd love you to explain this a little bit more. I think I might have been convicted by this one. Uh, ability to regulate ego, reduce defensiveness. And he called this the ability to check yourself. And of course, I thought of check, check yourself yeah. before you wreck yourself, right? Right. I, right. I um, talk, what does that mean, regulate ego, re regulate ego, reduce defensiveness? How is that humility? What does that mean? Yeah, I mean, you know, you and I are not clinical psychologists, so... The book, Humble. Maybe you aren't. By the <laughs> no, I'm not either. Or yeah. maybe I am. <laughs> Sorry. A everyone. singing clinical Sorry. psychologist? What just um, happened? That was amazing. Yeah. So, I, you know, I, I would highly recommend reading the book, Humble, if you're sure. interested in it. Yeah. Or other plenty of work out sure. there. I think generally speaking, at, at a just kind of like at a baseline level, you could intuit your way to, to what this means. Mm -hmm. We, we all have, you know, if you go back to the fall, like Janet page three of the Bible, yeah. Yeah. when sin enters the story, it really is. Um, sin enters by way of, uh, pride and shame, which are two sides of the same coin, you know, like the enemy tells, Adam and Eve, like, did God really say, like, you can kind of be like God, you know, it's like plays on their pride and then their eyes are open and they're ashamed, you know, and regulating the ability to regulate ego, I think is deeply connected to self-awareness. It's the ability to live right-sized um, and deeply aware of who we are and to find our, our, our satisfaction and rest in the fact that who we are first and foremost are, is a son or a daughter of God. And then from that position to be able to re identify and regulate those moments when, um, for a variety of re reasons, the voices in our own heads or culture or whatever else, our own insecurity, whatever else, these lies began sort of infiltr infiltrating us, you know, which is ego. It's like the lie that we are something we're not, mm -hmm. both getting too big and too small, you know, and to regulate that, um, to be able to come back to the place where we check ourselves. It's like, no, I am not that. I don't need to be that. I'm certainly not this. I don't need to be this. I am first and foremost a son or a daughter of God. Um, and then, uh, which connects to the, to the next point, these are all connected from that place to be able to then go beyond the self, 
you know to the other to the other you know uh, others focus you know what's terrible for this is social media yeah it's terrible it's terrible It, it it sparks defensiveness it sparks ego and it's a place where narcissism and ego is on display and rewarded. Mm-hmm. So that's a hard thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's that that's malforming us, isn't it? Yeah. So yes. that's not great. Yeah. Like you see, you see it all the time, right? Yeah. Like try isn't tribalism a form of the inability to reduce defensiveness? Yeah. Like that side is so wrong. I'm not even going to listen to them. Right. Like there's nothing. They're they're not only not good people. They're stupid, not good people. Right. On that side of the issue, so you yeah. don't even listen. Yeah. And that that creates real distance. That, yeah. That feels like is that kind of what you're talking about? Yeah, I mean, and in an extreme sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yes. You know, Jesus. The the verse we read was Philippians two. You know, Jesus makes himself nothing. He makes himself nothing. Mm-hmm. Which is, I think another verse said he empties himself. He right? empties yeah. himself. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's voluntary, but voluntarily, yeah, yeah, and that's you know that's a a, a healthy regulating of his own ego, and uh, and that which connects to giving himself. Away is this like I could? Himself. Is this like saying to yourself, I might be wrong. There's things for me to learn. This person isn't bad. It, what 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 does uh, um I don't need to get defensive there because sometimes people do get attacked yeah like so I've no I've, I've been in rooms where you've gotten attacked and sometimes even attacked personally that's got to stir up in you defensiveness right yeah of course but again that's why it's regulating the ego Ooh. it's not eliminating it you know it's it's an awareness that those moments will always pull and tug on parts of us that but then we will need them. to yeah. The, and the, yeah, and then the third part is others-focused orientation. Obviously, go beyond yourself, uh, uh, living for others. I mean, yeah. that just makes sense. That the yeah. point of humility is to connect with others yeah. and to love others well. Yep. That just makes that just yeah. makes sense. And Jesus, of course, models models this um, not just a little bit, but through his whole life. Yeah. Um, yeah. It also struck me. Um, I, I was reading. Um, some some things from the humble book it said humility grants the holder an accurate view of reality i love yeah. that yeah humility um shows us where we have room to improve and can grow so i mean obviously if you don't think that there's any room to improve or grow that's the opposite of humility right. and you're going to be stunted by the way yeah you know yeah it allows us to admit our doubts so we can learn mm-hmm. which is important yeah we can acknowledge our own worldview as one among many, and we mm-hmm. can connect with others despite differences. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that the humility really is a an interesting key to a whole lot of connection. Yeah. So both with ourselves, yeah. reality, God, and the world. Yeah. Um, final thought. First of all, I you talked about Pilate and Jesus entering from two sides. Yeah. Of the city, we're talking about the triumphal entry. And the whole reason we're talking about this, this humility, is because Jesus enters in a very humble way, on a yeah. humble, a humble beast of burden, as it will yeah. were, um, not in the way that some people expected him, a right. conquering hero, um, like uh, I think about the, the the animated film Aladdin when Prince Ali comes into the city, you know, there's like bum yeah. da da, the big yeah. parade with the elephants and the and the and the you know the huge menagerie of animals. Yeah, this is not how Jesus comes. No, and and that's that's the point you're trying to make. But on the other side, on the on the other side of the gate, or the other side of the city, on the on the west gate, though, which yeah. is like the main gate, I mm-hmm. guess you could say, mm-hmm. is that what that mm-hmm. was the? I didn't know this. This is brand new information for me. I was like. 
first of all, how'd you find that out? Was it just in your research you found it out? Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. I'd never, I'd never made that connection in my life. I was yeah. like, this is, I've read this a million times and it was super eye-opening. Pilate enters that way yeah. in the way you'd expect yeah. with the Roman centurions, mm -hmm. with the war horse, with the power of Rome behind him. Yeah. From from what I read that they would they would clang their their shields mm -hmm. to make noise to yeah. like let people know, hey, Rome's here. Yeah. They would also kind of flash their military weapons as almost yeah. like a threat. Yeah. Because Pilate didn't like living in Jerusalem, he, he he lived up at Caesarea. Yeah, he 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 was visiting because it was Passover. He didn't like to live there. Yeah. It was a bunch of rabbles. Yeah. You know, he doesn't. Yeah. The, you're not whatever. You're not my people. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and so you juxtapose those two, um, the, their entrances, and I just thought that that was so key for, like, what kind of applications when you think about that that, that difference yeah. for us living today in our world? Because it feels like everyone wants. To enter in through the gate in the West, yeah, you know who doesn't want a big parade celebrating? Yeah. So, what applications did you kind of? Well, think you about? said it. I just I, I think that what grabs our attention most in culture today is is the big, you know, pomp and circumstance and the filtered Instagram feed where everything looks beautiful and perfect and even the unfiltered ones are really highly curated, you know, to tell a particular narrative or story about ourselves. But Jesus is just so not that he's again, you know, he's, he's right sized. He, um, but if anyone had uh, a right to have pomp and circumstance and just the big <laughs> ornate, it was Jesus, but he goes another way, which I think sets the tone for us that the way of Jesus is subversively humble, that the power is found in um, being, you know, uh, in, in giving ourselves away and, and lowering ourselves for the sake of others. And um, I think that's that's the calling on all of our lives is to is to give ourselves away hmm. and. Uh, to be gentle and lowly, you know, as, as Jesus was, um, and to know that there's great power in living life that way, uh, yeah. that, that in a world that's so like, see me kind of thing, just as an example, being the sort of people who see others, for example, you know, is like, is so powerful. And, uh, um, it, it grabs the attention of people and, 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 culture and society in a way that's just it cuts through all the all the sort of self-centric noise you know and um that's the that's the way jesus modeled and it's the way his followers are to, are to follow him you know to enter from the east and to come riding in on a humble donkey and amongst the people you know and uh, even be willing to lay yourself down uh which jesus will do you know, this yeah. week actually, it, it strikes me that um, you know, as you were as you were talking, going through all this, it, it struck me that humility, the lack of humility, is often when we focus on ourselves. Yeah, and what Jesus is showing us is there's some incredible beauty and freedom to be found not in focusing on ourselves, but on God, and then yes. from there everything flows. Right. If we have our focus, because uh, even with with arrogant people or insecure people, whatever it looks like. Like I think about Moses, he's like, "Don't send me. Right. I'm nobody." And he keeps giving excuses why he can't. Yeah. Well, where's his focus? Yeah. On, on himself. himself. Yeah. 
on what he can't do. And st- and God's like, get, it says that God gets furious with him in Exodus right. because he's like, I got a people to rescue here, Moses. I have yeah. an enslaved people I need to rescue from oppression. He gets so mad at him. Yeah. But that's still, where's his focus? Not on not on himself, not God. Yeah. And so I think that that, and Jesus shows that perfectly. His focus was always on his father. Yeah. And I, that shows us, ironically, getting our focus off ourselves is the best way to become ourselves. Right. And yeah. the best way to be human. Yeah. So that's right. That's fascinating good. stuff. Well, I'm so glad to be back in Matthew. Yeah. Um, it's really it's been a wonderful. We're back in Matthew now. You're welcome. That's our new everyone. theme song. <laughs> <laughs> we'll record that later. <laughs> like an '80s. Uh... Thank you for joining us on the afterword. Super humble. There it is. All right. Vocals. Well, before before that takes off into a top 10 <laughs> hit, we're going to just pause there. So thanks for being here with us, Jay. I appreciate it. Yeah. I'll see you next week. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, just want to say thanks to J. Kim for stopping by. Join us next week where Mark Averill and I will be in the studio. We're going to be talking about The Last Supper. Uh, And not just the painting by Da Vinci. No, the actual moment where Jesus has his last meal with his followers. We're going to dive into that. And uh, so with that, we'll see you next week.